Welcome to, to AfroSaya. AfroSaya. Hello, everybody. Welcome to AfroSaya, the Afro Latino podcast. I'm Alex Gutierrez. And before we go, before we say goodbye to this final uh, days of 2019, I have to share with all of you this awesome episode and recording an interview that I had with my friend Ricardo Sainz. Um, so I just wanted to give you a heads up that the audio might be a little bit hard to listen because we just use mono instead of stereo. What it means that is we just recorded from one side of the speaker instead of the two. So if you're listening to this podcast with your headphones on, uh, just please make sure you adjust them so then it doesn't drive you crazy because the audio, once again, it is a little messed up. But the content, oh, what is inside is the most important thing. Also, I'm going to be posting this on Facebook. So if you want to check us out on live interview, please visit Facebook on Afro Saya. We are there. Um, what are we talking on this episode? We talk about being um, Mexican-American. We talk about being Chicano, what it means to be Chicano. And we also talk about race, ethnicity, and discrimination too. So check this out. It's a very interesting episode. So after the music, we're going to start with, um, with the interview with my friend Ricardo, which I've been promising you since like... I don't know, April, May. <laughs> so it's been, a, it's been a little longer. But the reason behind is the um, the quality of the audio. So the audio. So the audio is not 100% as I wish it could be. But once again, the content is, you know, amazing. No se puede reemplazar. It's just the best. And yeah, and I want to share with all of you. So... Just write with me in those 30 minutes that I have conversation with Ricardo Sainz, who is talking to us about race, ethnicity, and what it means to be Chicano and also Mexican-American. So after the music, because now it comes Afro-Saya, the music that Black Bolivians created for us to enjoy. And after that, the interview. So get comfortable. Thank you again for writing with me in this episode here in Afro-Saya. Francisco te por si marrón ganó el tambor mayor y por un futuro mejor viva viva la revolución a este negrito que le ha pasado pobre negrito como ha cambiado porque ya no quiere cantar más porque ya no quiere bailar más junto a la familia no a este negrito que le ha pasado 
Okay. All right, all right, all right. So, welcome everybody. This is Alex Gutierrez from Sacramento, California. This is Afro Saya. And we're doing this interview with a good, good friend of mine. Uh, so, our listeners, and the, for the first time, we also doing a video. Uh, we have an interview here. So, I'm going to let my guest to get introduced by telling us your name, your age, and your ethnic background. Okay, well, hola, everybody. Hi, everyone. Uh, mi nombre, my name is Ricardo Signs, Ayon. Um, uh, I'm 24 years old, and I am Mexican American, but I identify as Chicano. Perfect, perfect. So, because on the program of Afrosaya, we talk about uh, culture, history, music, and today we want to focus on on the history and and the culture aspect. So, you want to help us to navigate through that aspect. Perfect. And we wanted to know about the Chicano, Latino, and all this rich identity out there. Okay. So, you say you identify as Chicano. How that identity came to you and you said, oh, you know what? I'm Chicano. I'm not anymore like the guy, regular guy out there. Yeah, I think it comes from a lot of self-reflection and trying to understand what it means to be a, a first-generation Mexicano, Mexican in California, being that, you know, my parents migrated from Mexico um, to the U.S., and I'm the first born here in, in California, and just trying to navigate that, you know, I'd go home visit my aunts and uncles in Mexico, and they'd be like, oh, you're so American, but then I'd go back to the California And then they're like, you're Mexican. And I'm just kind of like, well, I don't fit in here. I don't fit in there. Um, so what is my identity? And I feel like I've noticed a lot of people have that same questioning and same ideology. And just doing a lot of self-reflection, learning about like the Brown Berets and what they did. I ended up finding my own identity as Chicano because we are in this weird nexus where it's like we're we're not enough American and not too much Mexican. Mm -hmm. So we're in this weird little little yeah. in between. And, and, and it's hard. I, I, for a long time, I... I was kind of sad about it. I was like, who am I? What am I? Um, but I think just claiming that Chicano-ness is, is a good way to just embody how I feel and how it is I, I identify as well. All right. So we're, we're in California born. We're born. Mm -hmm. I was born in San Bernardino, California. So okay. it's like... 30 miles or 30 minutes outside of LA kind okay. of um, so there's a, a lot of Latino population a lot of Latino population mm -hmm. yeah specifically Which is Mexicanos okay yeah. so mm -hmm. it's interesting what you say because the Chicano identity help you to navigate without giving too much explanation to anyone exactly right? because you say you're not from here not from there who am I exactly. where I'm from okay yeah. that's super cool uh, tell me about a time when you felt like you were treated differently and it could be positive or negative as well so and, and, and because of your identity too yeah I think it, I think just being first generation uh, my parents my first language was Spanish okay. and I, I mean I, I love the fact that I was you know first language is Spanish but going into this institutionalized American like education system mm -hmm. you know there was just like well, you got to speak English <laughs> so I remember like kindergarten preschool like it was really hard for me to talk to kids because I was with Latino kids but I was starting to be put into like what they call the track system. So yeah. track A, track B, yeah. track C. And all the track B kids were the bilingual kids. So mm -hmm. um, I don't want to say I was treated differently, but it made me kind of realize, like, oh, I'm a little different. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't speak the language. My culture is a bit different. And I'm not part of the other tracks that have, like, mainly white people. Right. And, like, you know, right. different type of ethnicities, which is okay. But I think growing up, it was very hard for me. And I think a, a big part of me growing up, up until, like, going to basically, like, high school... I kind of was uh, ashamed of being Latino yeah. just because it's like it's not normal it's mm -hmm. not 
you know, it's, it's not okay to be speaking a different language. And up until going to college was when I kind of felt like, this is me, this is who I am, and this is more empowerment rather than, you know, making me feel less or something. Yeah. And you said you were born here, so it's interesting yeah. how the system, you know, how do they categorize? I mean, even if you're coming from Europe, but you can speak English perfectly mm -hmm. and you're a little one, I mean, they will still put you in this track system. How do they classify? It's interesting. I think they classify by just <laughs> understanding, like, what the population is in the, in the area. Yeah. So in my area, there was a lot of yeah. Latino, like, Mexican kids mm -hmm. that spoke Spanish. Um, so they would just kind of put them in the track system and be like, this is better for you. And, and not to say, I mean, it was great. Like, the first half was pure English, mm -hmm. and then the second half was pure Spanish. Yeah. So I got to perfect my Spanish and English, mm -hmm. and even now people say I have an accent, and I think it's because of that, because yeah. like, I was able to do both. But I think it's a great system, but I think they need to focus more, less on more of like, you need to learn English because you have to, and more of like, your culture's okay, but we want you to like better yourself by learning English, right, you know, right. so. It's interesting how you say that because you have this opportunity to continue learning the language that in your house, mm -hmm. anyways, mm -hmm. we're going to speak. Yeah. But other kids who don't, you know, are coming from Caucasian families, for instance, they don't have that opportunity to exactly. like choose and be in the, oh, I want to speak Spanish. Yeah. Maybe I want to take this track system. That's so super yeah. cool. So uh, where do you think the stereotypes are coming from? You say that, you know, at some point you even feel like, oh, I'm, you know, bad for being Latino because there's so much a stigma yeah. and where do you think that's coming from I think it just comes from like ignorance and people not knowing and I feel like it's also just understanding what Mexicans meant for the United States and the relationship between them so like you know for me the first thing that comes to my mind is like my grandpa was part of the Bracero program okay so you know what that basically means is you know they picked a bunch of Mexicans from Mexico and they were like hey we want you to work our fields for a year or two and which is great but in the process of bringing them over they kind of dehumanized them in a way mm -hmm. um, they would like strip them down naked pour like powder and like chemicals on them to clean them because they were mm -hmm. dirty um, and then they would like have them work in fields so my my grandpa um, from Sinaloa Mexico from this small little ranch in Mexico went to south of San Francisco Salinas mm -hmm. to work the strawberry fields and I was like that's crazy what, are you, what were you doing there and um I think it's just a lot of stigma behind that and, like, the way they were treated. Um, you know, they weren't allowed to leave the fields. Like, they left the fields to go to their camps and then back. Yeah. And then once their term was over, they were pushed back. And then it's like, we'll call you back when we need you again. Yeah. And I feel like that's the relationship we have right now. Um, uh, not between people, but mainly just, like, the United States in general and, like, the yeah. stigma behind that. And, like, a lot of Mexicans and Latinos in general are working in the fields right now, and people just choose to kind of be ignorant towards that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of feel like it kind of comes from that as well. So speaking of that, what is your relationship that you will say with Mexico? Because, you know, you identify as Mexican too, yeah. uh, but how is your relationship with, with the country, with the culture? Yeah, it's a, it's a little rough. I'm not going to lie to you. My parents left Mexico. Um, they were from a small little ranch in Sinaloa. Um, they fled because there was no upward mobility, no chance for you to do anything with your life. And if you really basically wanted to make money, you joined the cartel and sold drugs and did that whole thing. And it's just like my my I, I love my parents for being wise enough to just being like, no, I want more for my kids and 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 my future. Um, and so my relationship right now in Mexico, um, I love the current president. The current president is amazing, doing amazing things for indigenous rights. I mean, they're adding, um, recognizing um, Afro-Mexicanos as like a culture, which is like that. Uh, like first time ever, Mexicanos right? are not just brown they're black they're yeah. white they're yeah. like it's a mixture of everything because of colonialism and 
the president's doing good things, but I feel like there's more that could be done, not just from Mexico, but from the United States as well. Um, The war on drugs needs to stop, but also on top of that, um, we need to help Mexico get rid of the issue that they have as well. Mm -hmm. Because in some way, shape, or form, the U.S. kind of added to that. which I could get into, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you, but, yeah, you, but, I, but I I, mean, when I visit my cousins, it's very interesting just seeing their life because a lot of my cousins are part of that move, that whole cartel movement because it's like, what else can you do? And, and it's sad, um, and I just feel like the Mexican government needs to invest more in its people. Mm-hmm. I'll leave that as that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going back a little bit on the stereotypes because you, 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 you touched something very interesting on, on uh, race and ethnicity mm-hmm. could be in, in the country of Mexico because people relate oh brown people all are coming from Mexico yeah. but if you are black or oh, you are either African American yeah. and maybe African right yeah. because they don't really associate mm-hmm. uh, but now you're saying these, these things about like oh more diversity in the culture uh, do you think those stereotypes are kind of like falling through a true statement when we say yeah all you know brown people are Mexicans or what, what do you think about stereotypes when it comes to being true and being false some of them in terms of what? Like, for instance, uh, as I said, and, uh, and, and, and like there's black people who are also in Mexico, mm-hmm. but people don't associate that. Yeah. So, and the stereotype is that only brown people can Yeah, be, and I think Mexico. that just yeah. comes from like the whole colonialism thing, okay. the whole caste system, okay. yeah. where it's just kind of like if you're brown, you're you're not just brown, you're like a mulata or mulato, yeah. you're mixed with indigenous, you're mixed with that. And I feel like that's still an issue that prevails Mexico and Mexicans in general. Like, yeah. I love my parents, but they're sort of racist. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. Like, if I was to bring a black girlfriend, mm-hmm. they would be like, what are you doing? Yeah. And and it's sad, but I feel like within minority groups, as an, an example, like Mexicans, they are a little bit racist. Like, yeah. And not even just towards, like, indigenous people. Um, there's even different states that don't like other states within Mexico. So, like, if you're from Guanajuato, you're considered to be more fair-skinned, more, like green eyes blue eyes you know they're like oh like the beautiful type of mexican but if you're from oaxaca which is like an indigenous state people are mainly brown or like morelia i mean people are mainly brown and people kind of look down upon those people that's the kind of notion that i get and i think a perfect example is uh there's a recent mexican actress i forget her name like yanita or oh yeah um, and she's indigenous and she's like becoming like amazing like an amazing person i think she was in time magazine and she was getting backlash from Mexican people. They're like, you're not Mexican. And it's just like, yes, she is. Yeah. You guys just choose to uh, not you, see that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because we're the so, And we're so used to, to see tele, te, te, Televisa mm-hmm. betraying, you know, these, these gorgeous women, mm-hmm. uh, which still exists. But also, as you say, you know, there's indigenous communities that, because we don't see that often, doesn't mean doesn't exist. Exactly. Right? And when they show up, doesn't mean that they are no part of our exactly. culture. They're always like, oh, no, you're Guatemalan or, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. totally, totally on the same page on that. Yeah. <laughs> let's just, let's talk about the languages. So you, so you speak a little bit of Spanish, English. So how do you like, did you say, I speak two languages for sure. <laughs> I speak two languages for sure. Yeah. I mm-hmm. am able to write, speak everything in Spanish and English as well. Um, during college, I, I kind of wanted to not only embrace my Latino-ness, so I, I majored in uh, Chicano studies, Latin American Latino studies, but also I took a bunch of Spanish classes because I was like, I want to learn how to do accent marks right. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to say I perfected it, but um, nowadays I don't speak much Spanish unless I'm talking to my parents or you. Okay. <laughs> so did you, like, uh, at home, when you go and visit your parents or mm-hmm. your family, is it like a switch code, like, automatically always yeah. speaking Spanish? Pure or Spanish. Or... My parents yeah. understand a little bit of English, but it's just pure Spanish with them. 
Okay, let's talk a lo- let's talk about um, about the narratives out there. And uh, can you describe like the impact of images and narratives about uh, Mexicans and Latinos and in the media? Like we have CNN, for instance. So we fa- we have Fox News, mm-hmm. uh, and the, on the other side we have Univision, which is also Univision, right? So how is the Latinos and Mexican betrayed on those? outlets in the media. I think it's an interesting point. Um, and going back to the whole ethnicity and, and, and whatnot, you don't see many dark-skinned Latinos in these broadcasting networks. Um, no Afro-Latinos, no Afro-Mexicanos. They're all fair-skinned, like, white, like, blue-eyed, green-eyed people. And it's just like, I feel like that buys into the whole narrative where, like, if you're... It's just weird because you're in the United States, like, the stereotype for Mexicans are, like, you're dark-skinned. You have a mustache. Your name's Jose. You know what I mean? Jose. Yeah, yes, yeah okay. like, and, and, and it's just like, and for a woman, it's just, and I feel like in, in Mexico, it's like you're considered Mexi- like Mexican if you're like fair skin, like you know, and not even you're considered Mexican, but that's just considered more appeasing, more like okay, cool, you're good. You know what I mean? Whereas if in Mexico, I'm like if I'm dark skinned from Oaxaca, they'd be like, oh, you're not Mexican, you're just indigenous, mm-hmm. which is like a different subset to them. Yeah. Um, and here in the United States, be like, no, you're Mexican. It's yeah. just so it's like weird, like that. Um, I don't know that answer your question. Yeah, and the treat also changed. Do you think because if you have blue eyes and a little bit more like uh, lighter oh, skin, people will treat you like definitely, oh, even I mean, though you people think I'm. So in my family, I'm the darkest one. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, you're the darkest one. Like, yeah. so when I go to Mexico. They're just like, oh, first of all, they treat me different because they're like, you're American. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm not Mexican to them. I'm okay. American, American, which uh-huh. is like, girl, like, <laughs> I'm yeah. not, yeah. no, like, I am, I'm, me- like, I'm yeah. Mexican. Like, I go, in the United States, I consider myself Mexican. Mm-hmm. I speak Spanish. Like, I'm studying this. Yeah. But to them, it's like, no, like, you just don't, like, I think you just abandon us. Exactly. Like that, yeah. Right? It's mainly more of like, you're not from here, so you just don't understand. Oh, and I get that because they go through some stuff that I have never had to go through in my life. Yeah. Fortunately, and so yeah, it's just great. That makes sense. Makes more sense. Yeah, um, going back to the issues on the Latino community, and right now you are in a position where you're also getting into what's going on in, especially in California. Mm-hmm. So, can you name a couple issues that are pressing to the Latino community that you say, "Oh, we need to look into this." It's not only like because it seems to be Latino immigration illegal. Yeah, synonyms of it, but. From your perspective, what do you think are the issues that we also have to, like, oh, start looking at? I think a lot of health issues. Um, I feel like within the Latino community, asthma and diabetes are something that is very, it's just it's just rapid. It's just very, it's just going through the community like crazy. And I think there's a lot of um, missed opportunities for education. Um, and, and, and also, I mean, it comes from, like, people not having enough money. But it also just comes from education. Like, people can't keep eating the foods that they eat within our communities to do that so that's a different thing and we could get more into that but also i think there's some in the legislature down the street um there's this health for all package going through where basically they want every single person undocumented or not to have health care mm-hmm. and i feel like that is an important thing to have because there are latino people not even mexican but like latin american people in general working our fields getting our food to our table and they're dying be- from doing that because they're touching pesticides because they're getting cancers and i feel like the least we could do for them is give them health care because yeah. i feel like health care is a human right yeah. <laughs> regardless of what regardless you think of your race, um, ethnicity, yeah. so that would be a couple things um and then on top of that because of the whole narrative happening with trump i feel like mental health services are also something that latinos need to tap into because 
we're fed into this and Latinos when I say Latinos I mean Mexican for this mm-hmm. podcast but I feel like it's a Latino issue as well like in general where people are like oh I'm macho I can't like why am I going to go see a counselor why am I going to cry and it's like it's okay to go see a counselor and especially with what Trump and the federal government is saying about Latinos and Mexicans in general mm-hmm. I feel like now's the time to not just like shiver and like you know become a ball but to like talk about the issues go see somebody if you're being affected a certain way because ICE deportations are real and it's like that affects families and we're talking about human beings that are being taken apart put into cages and um, you know mental health services are free here in California so I would say tap into that if you can okay it's interesting on that aspect because if you are in Mexico you won't have the government saying hey Mexicans here you know you are this and that Mm -hmm. I think this is the only country that you have this attack (laughs) against all ethnicities like you're Muslim or your religion background it comes Mm -hmm. your ethnic background so it's very like sometimes yeah as you say oppressing yeah oppressing yeah <sighs> but going back to culture, and just yeah, to, yeah. To, to close the show, you, you say you're Mexican, you're identified as Chicano. Um, what are the traditions that you are practicing while you're here in California or that your family are like, mijo, this is what we have to practice? Yeah, um, yeah. obviously, Dia de los Muertos. Okay. Um, I feel like in my culture, my family, death, it is sad, but it's kind of celebrated because mm-hmm. it's like this person now passed. Um, they had a great life. They were a great person. And now they're with the other rest of the relatives. So Dia del Muerto, I always put a candle out for, like, my grandpa, mi abuela, mi, mi abuelo. Um, I go to church almost every other Sunday. I try to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just because, you know, and, and it's like when I go to church, I don't even know how to say anything in English. Okay. Well, I, I know, I only know my verses and my prayers in Spanish. Yeah. So that's something that, like, I don't even try to do. It just happens. I'm like, you know, um... That's a couple things. And then just doing this, talking about your culture to other people who don't know mm-hmm. or who want to know, I think is very impactful because you start chiseling away as stereotypes that people have towards Mexicans right. and Latinos in yeah. general. Would you say that you're a Catholic person? Yes. Yes. Because yes. it's interesting. If you go back to our Latin American countries, mm-hmm. people will be like, I go to church, but I'm not Catholic. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So the, it's the correlation of, oh, I have to go there. I have to, you know, do this uh, Catholic mm-hmm. traditions, but I don't consider myself Catholic. And exactly. then you're like, mm, okay, but you're going to the Catholic. Because, I mean, it also goes to the ramifications of colonialism. Yes, exactly. Where it's like, to that. yeah. People, indigenous people of Mexico, mm-hmm. which is like, and Latin America in general, but yeah. for this, Mexico, weren't Catholic. They were indigenous people with their own beliefs. Catholicism was implemented to them either by force or, you know, you, yeah. it's either you do this or you die. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. um, I feel like I do check myself sometimes where it's like, how did I end up doing this? Like, why am I Catholic? And I feel like after a lot of thought and self just reflect reflection i still was like okay no this is still something i want to pursue moving forward okay um doesn't mean i agree with everything that the catholic church is because of like everything that's happening the drama with all that stuff but it's still something that i firmly believe in okay Cool, cool. Um, just to close this uh, this section and this interview, which yeah. was fantastic, and thank you so much. <laughs> is there something else you want to tell the audience about Mexican culture or the Chicano identity that you know we haven't probably or we forgot? Or we yeah, um, I think that's some, something important that I want to just say about the Chicano identity is that they, you know, look up the, the Brown Berets if you haven't already. The, you know, they just talk about not only just finding your identity within Chicanoness, but also pushing the ideology that like we're living in a state where it wasn't always American. This was Mexico at one point. Um, so it's kind of like, what does that mean now that it's not Mexico? So it's like, are we not Mexicans? Now? You know, so the whole 
international border thing is also a, a very interesting thing. Um, I would also say, like, I've gone to Mexico de Efe. If you have a chance to go, you should go and visit. The food is amazing. The people are amazing. Um, Mexico isn't as scary as people think it is. You know, it is struck with a lot of violence and whatnot, but my parents go every single Christmas, and they drive there to Sinaloa. Um, God forbid nothing has happened to them, but... It's not as bad as people think it is. It's a very beautiful country. So if you ever had a chance to go, I would say go. Um, but also learn about the history. Because if, when you go to Mexico de Efe, you're going to see some plazas where students who were protesting in the 60s were gunned down by their own government. Mm -hmm. And it's depressing. But it's like, this is what you have to do once you learn from these things. Because you need to keep pushing that to hold these countries accountable. And when you're out there, just learn about what happened in these, in these spaces. Because they won't tell you that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would say. <laughs> it's a lot. Thank you so much. No, yeah, this is fantastic. Hope you come back yeah. and we can talk about these other issues about the, the students, which I just learned about it. Yeah. The Olympics and the students, nobody knew about yeah. it. So there's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. There's a lot of connection with, with Afro identity that we also have in the show. Yeah. So thank you again. And yeah. if people want to shoot you an email or follow up with you, is there any contact information that you have? Yeah, um, I could give them my email, but it's kind of hard to say. All right, well, we'll share the Okay, event. sounds good. Okay, Perfect. we'll share it in the program and yeah. everyone can have access. And feel free to shoot me whatever questions you have. I, I study this during undergrad, so this is like a passion of mine. Um, and if you want to teach me other things that you know about your country that maybe struck similarities, that's also, I would love to know that too. So, all right, there you go. Shoot me an email whenever. All righty, so let's continue with the show. Probably some music coming or something. All right, talk to you soon. Bye bye, bye guys.